Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, Stomping Jen. Yes. Episode 96. What? This is the one after episode 95. Can oh. you believe it? I, I, yes. If I know how to count, then yes. Yes. I am really excited for our show and our guest this week. Her name is Tiana Ray Burnett. She's the co-owner of Studio 235 in West Springfield, the co-owner and founder of Yellowbird Management, and also the founder of Made Ethnic Art, which we've heard about before on this podcast from one of our previous guests. So we're going to talk to her about all of that stuff. Are you ready? I am ready. I am super excited. Let's go. Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. All right, stomping Jen. No creepy (laughs) trucks once again. Good day to you, stomping Jen. It's nighttime, thank you. Good night to you, stomping Jen. Yes. Yes. So we are here, as I said before, with our guest, Tiana Ray Burnett. Hi, Tiana. Hey guys. Thank you for joining us. Now, I introduced you as the owner and co-owner of a whole bunch of stuff. Right. But I would like you to tell us what you're up to in your own words, because I don't think my words are going to be sufficient. So please, (laughs) who are you and what do you do? Yeah, well, hey, um, I'm Tiana. I am out in Western Mass post-graduating from UMass. Um, I studied art history and arts management there and kind of started building my own brands, hosting art pop-ups with different museums and galleries. And one thing led to another, it ended up in studio 235. Um, and so that's a large scale production studio. Um, we rent hourly to a bunch of different creatives. We're working to becoming the creative community resource hub in the region. Um, so a lot of my time now is spent there. I'm working with Chris. He's my partner in that, Chris Joel. Um, we're working together to build the studio, to bring all of our brands in there. Yellowbird Management is my arts management business. Um, also studio management, because that's how we've been running the studio under that LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually, I just got off the phone with um, a friend in Boston who I've done a couple of my mad ethnic shows with, and we're going to try to revive those in the COVID era. So kind of like the future of art gatherings mm-hmm. in 2020. Now, before I ask you a bunch of questions, did I mispronounce the name of the, is it mad and ethnic? 
mad ethnic, made ethnic. It works both ways. Okay. It's the same word, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but either one, you know, we spent, I think, a couple months debating what we were going to call it. But um, okay. mad ethnic art is, is the general Okay, I'll I'll go with that, and if I if I slip up, um, please give me a virtual slap in the face. Thank you, right. Stomping Jen. <laughs> Stomping Jen will hit this sound. All right, so I want to. You mentioned you did art pop ups. Can you yes. just tell me a little bit about what that is? I'm not quite sure, and I'd love to know. Yeah. Um. So my, it was my take on kind of revamping the house party initially the when I got started guys I started doing this in my house in Amherst at UMass Mm -hmm. Um, and so just getting a bunch of creatives coming in I found a lot of people through Instagram but what I did was take art so I would curate the art I would find the artist I would hang the art um, find vendors so local small businesses a lot of times they were my friends um, my sisters come out, I've put my dad's art in the gallery and I always have live entertainment, live music. We provide food. Um, sometimes I provide edibles, you know, first 30 people get a free edible if they come to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've done, I think nine of them, uh, before we got the studio. So just not having my own venue, I would just pop up in anyone's venue that would rent to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that led me eventually to the Wisteria Hearst Museum in Holyoke. And that was kind of the catalyst for the rest of the movement of where I am now. That is a, the Wisteria is a gorgeous Mm -hmm. space. And I would love to be in there on a few edibles, (laughs) walking around, wandering and looking at all of that, uh, historical provenance, stomping Jen. Uh Um, so, um, that is really interesting. Um, so you've taken that idea, you've kind of taken it a step further and opening your own studio. Um, mm-hmm. For people imagining what a art studio is, what is the physical space of Studio 235 like? Can you describe it a little bit for us? Yeah. So um, I think right now I have it described as uh, a unique loft style production studio located in Western Mass. Um, we have nearly 8,000 square feet of usable space. Um, We have office space as well. So we actually, we have tenants that are in there and everyone has their own hustle. Everyone has their own business. So um, we're really an incubator for creative businesses as well. Um, We have Pum Pum Pawa in there. She is holistic healing. Um, She does the Yoni steams. She does yoga meditation every Tuesday and Thursday at the studio. Her husband, Meshach, has Jackfruit King. He does Jackfruit Tacos on Taco Tuesday at the studio. Nice. Um, we have Tiffany Alicia. She has Real Recognized Fake. She's actually been behind a lot of the activism in the city mm-hmm. this whole uh, summer. Um, we have This Is It podcast in there. Um, we have Toro Time Gaming. He's a pro video gamer. And I believe it. And then we have me and Chris, and we have our couple different things. So we have that side of it. Um, but when you walk in, it's like, you're, you're not really expecting to see what it is that is within those walls. Yeah. And Uh, I've seen some pictures of it and it's, it's gorgeous. You have, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a mix between like some industrial design, but you also have like these giant timber frame posts. Like it's gorgeous. 
Yeah, the um, the exposed beams, everything is crazy. The ceilings are super high. I have no idea how high they are, um, but it's we have various different levels, um, and each each corner, each level looks completely different. So it's very flexible. We can interchange what we're doing in there. Um, we rent out hourly on peer space, so you can book us for studio time hourly. Um, or if there's available office space, you can rent with us monthly. Um, but we've been trying to get more programming. So mm-hmm. while a lot of people do music videos um, and photo shoots, there's also like um, panel discussions have been held in there. Um, we just did, uh, what is it called? Um, hip hop cardio with 413 Family Fitness. Um, so they did a hip hop cardio class in the space mm-hmm. earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's like, we're just really trying to make the space what everyone needs for their selves, for their nice. creative. Now you mentioned that you have people who record podcasts in their music, people do exercise. Um, do people ha- have to bring in like their own equipment or do you have dedicated recording space like for sound stuff? Like tell us a little bit more about how you account for the different types of activities that happen in there. Yeah, the podcast actually just moved in. They uh, moved in last week. Um, They're using that more of an office space, but they do film their podcast throughout the studio. Um, They just book the time for that. They have their own equipment. They have their own mics. Um, They bring their own cameras. We're actually working to build out an actual, like, soundproofed audio room Mm -hmm. where we can have people come in and you can work with the producer, um, and just really be that end-to-end production space that anyone would need for whatever project you have. But as far as like lighting equipment, we have lights. Um, we have tripods, we have stands, um, you know, we have props. So the photography aspect, you can really come in, you can have one of us be the photographer. If you're not bringing one yourself, you're, any photographer is welcome to come in there. But um, as far as lighting, you don't need to bring your own lighting. You can, of course. Um, And then for anything else, like as long as people give us enough notice, we can try to get whatever they need in there. But for the most part, people will just come ready because a lot of a lot of the people out here just need space. They have what they need. Um, They just need a space to do it. Right. Yeah. It sounds like a really versatile Mm -hmm. physical space that can accommodate a bunch of different needs. Like we could like we could pack up our studio stomping gen put it in a couple of cases you know and and take it somewhere like there so yeah <laughs> so before the pandemic yeah. happened <laughs> just how i met diana is we actually took a tour so it's hard to describe what this place is actually yeah um you know saying it's eight thousand square feet gives you sort of like an idea but then you go and you don't have any idea you go like around corners and there's like a whole nother thing it's like those dreams that you oh have i was just where, gonna say that where you're like in a, a house a and house you're just dream. like it keeps going and going and then you know so tiana and chris were kind enough to give us a tour and it's like you know you go all the way up in the loft space and it was like oh there was another <laughs> another usable space like up high and it's crazy and there's brick and there's white walls and there's you know like you mentioned you know there's the the wood i mean so like you can really as for a photographer you can really get a, it was like i think it used to be right tiana like a photography mm-hmm. studio a long time it was yeah. It, yeah for i believe like around 30 years it was a photography studio yeah so 
I I had mentioned to Sawtooth that potentially we wanted to rent, and this is when, uh, yeah. right before the pandemic hit. So. Yeah, and and really the only barrier f- I think for us and for me yeah. considering it would be the distance. Right. Um, it's so easy just to sit down here in, right. in our house at night and do this. So, <laughs> um, so why did you want to start a studio? I heard a little bit about how you were doing these pop up things, but it seems like um, that's a that that's an important jump into the next level and so tell tell us a little bit more about that um it's funny because we never asked for that specifically we manifested that studio um and like we really did because i was going on and i was doing pop-ups primarily because i didn't have a venue yeah i didn't have an option i know i needed to do these things but i didn't have a space Mm -hmm. Um, Chris has been working in photography for six years, but he didn't have his own photography studio. And so we just kept putting it out there. We're like, Oh, like we need a space. We thought we found one. It ended up not being perfect for what we had envisioned. And the second we realized that someone walked up to us with this studio, um, his name is James. And he was like, Hey guys, um, I bought this photography studio. I don't have the time to do anything with it, but I see what you guys do. Um, I want you to come check it out. And long story short, within three days, we had the keys. And so I saw that when I first walked in, I was like, oh yeah, I'll I'll take it. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go out specifically looking for a studio space and neither did Chris. This kind of just, we just kept mentioning that we need a space. We need, you know, consistent space. Um, and that presented itself to us. Um, so it kind of like we were really forced to just develop that as a business in itself. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And how has the community responded to having this new art studio and space um, uh, at, at, at its avail now? Well, within our community, it's been incredible. And it's been incredible. We had um, like tremendous support, especially when um, the pandemic first happened. I didn't really, you know, I didn't go out and be like, oh my God, like you guys need to help us. Like we waited a a while, you know, we made everything work. We were only in business from February. I think February, like the end of February, we had our first clients. Um, And then we built out a whole calendar for March into April. And then again, within three days, everything canceled. The second COVID hit, everyone canceled. Um, So we started and we were like, hey, like we're here. Thankfully, we made enough noise before that. So our community was aware of us. Mm -hmm. And then we just kept pushing, kept building. And then after that, um, we went a month and a half with no business at all. But it really allowed us to regroup and um, to button down everything that we needed to in order to prepare ourselves. Because we like blew up very quickly. And all of a sudden, we were just overwhelmed. Like, we don't actually know how we can facilitate this in the right way. Um, And so then finally I put on um, a fundraiser because our rent was steadily increasing even through COVID. So not only did we have a month and a half of no business, our rent was going up an additional thousand dollars. And so I was like, guys, listen, this is what's going on with the studio. Mm -hmm. Um, We're really trying to provide this to you, um, but we just need some help. And we were able to get $3,000 in donations in five days from our community. And that kind of really sold us on the fact that like, okay, we're doing something right. People are loving what we're doing. Um, But since then, um, our mission from jump has always been, we want to open this up to the community. 
like that space honestly is it's far too big <laughs> for any individual like it's it's too much and so um it we knew it was too much for what we personally needed to do and so we've just been working to bring in the right people and just build our own community within it yeah um and so within the studio itself we really are like a family like everyone in there has kids their kids come with them you know to um while they're working in their office spaces and stuff like that. And we've been out meeting people in the community at all of these protests and vendor events. Um, so, you know, we're yeah. trying our best, but I just actually sent out a survey, a creative resource survey. And I believe it was like 86% of the people that answered are looking for a space like studio 235 and like they're that's what they need that's what they think the area is missing Mm -hmm. Um, so we got some really good feedback from the community off of that as well what are people's biggest concerns who want a space like that are they afraid they can't afford it are they afraid that there's nothing close to them do you have any Mm -hmm. idea yeah um actually let me i can bring up the results um but yeah people were really concerned there there really aren't resources available um, there really aren't like, and that's just yeah. how this area works. But um, like, do you have access to a workspace that's safe, inspiring and inclusive? Um, a lot of people said 68% said yes. 31 said no, but out of the 68, a lot of them have worked at the studio. Um, and as far as people willing to tra- how far are you willing to travel? the majority said 60 minutes or less. So a lot of people are trying to stay local. And right yeah. now that's really not an option. Um, a lot of people are leaving. A lot of people are being forced to go to New York, Connecticut, Boston, um, LA, you know, mm-hmm. Florida yeah. or Chicago. So we really, and like, we've had a lot of friends ourselves move from this area. And yes. so we wanted to give people more reason and life back into the the city or like, Hey, I can stay here. I can thrive in the space where I'm at. Yeah. And I think that's an important point to hit upon Mm -hmm. what Tiana is saying is that there is a space right here in little Western Massachusetts that people would typically have to go to a major like metropolitan area to find it's versatile. um, There's supports there to help you with almost any type of project you want and it's right here. It's, it's you know, half mm-hmm. an hour from where we are. Right. And I was complaining about that. And <laughs> it's interesting to me that people say they'd be willing to travel like an hour to, yeah. it, you know, that, that, that's interesting. And so I see, I see you sent out a survey to collect data. Um, what other types of stuff do you have to do as an owner of a studio? I mean, oh, that, wow. that seems like that's a completely different mindset to right. me. Um, yeah. well, the survey was actually e idea. It was our assignment. We're in e program in Holyoke. Um, so that's been really beneficial to us as well, but just trying to connect. And a lot of our business has come from word of mouth. So as far as how far people are willing to travel, we've had, we've had people come to the studio from all over the place. We've had people come from the Bronx. We've had people come from other places in New York. We just had, um, two guys, two artists come up from, um, where they, New Jersey, they mm. drove three and a half hours to work with us. They had never seen the studio before. Wow. Um, and it's really just, um, that's one thing of it, but a lot of time goes into the studio. Yeah. Um, and I think what we weren't fully prepared for was the fact we would really be pulling like 
12, 13 hour days, Mm -hmm. seven days a week. Um, we finally had to just block off Sundays. We're like, we're not doing anything on Sunday. We need that to ourselves today. We happen to have a busy Sunday at the studio, but, um, you know, so just a lot of time, a lot of energy goes into it when you're dealing with a lot of different people. Um, I personally am someone that feeds off of other people's energies. Um, so that gets overwhelming for me. I just spent the last couple of days in Boston, just trying to, you know, reset myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, getting everything tip top with the actual business processes. Like you need a management mentality when mm-hmm. it comes to, okay, well, like, we have tenants, so we need to have leases. Um, I have art hung up in there. I need to have service agreements with these artists and just managing peer space. So peer space, you have to be on top. You have to respond to people. Um, and then a lot of like, I've had to do a lot of press releases, a ton of grant writing, mm-hmm. um, and just really trying to apply and, and meet and make new connections. Um, and finding like the more people, are coming to us as we go. And I always say the right people are going to find their ways through these doors and it just keeps happening. You know, it happened with Jen and now I'm on your podcast, you know? So, um, just a lot of networking with people and a lot of like understanding what you stand for in your business. Um, because we offer services, it really is important that the service that people are receiving, they're also getting the values of that person that's providing the service. Um, and so it's been our job to make sure that everyone kind of stays in line with our mission to really benefit our creative community and create a safe and inclusive space. Um, so just, you know, just trying to maintain that and still be on your toes and keep it clean now. Yeah. So, yeah. And and I think, go ahead, stop. Well, like a true entrepreneurship entrepreneur, like you're doing five five people's job. You just listed like multiple people's jobs that would be full-time jobs, but you and your partner are like doing it all right. You know, um, I just want to backtrack just one, one quick thing that, um, E for all stands for entrepreneurship for all. And that's a program out of Holyoke. Yeah. Holyoke, Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, I think it's actually a national program, but there's a local based chapter here in Holyoke. And you know, my, my takeaway from that, right. Is for anybody listening to this who values a um, a space like this for creativity mm-hmm. and for um, the community um, to think about all of this work that yeah. Tiana is telling us that she's doing and her partner is doing who, who co-runs it with her. And if you can volunteer, if you can touch base with them, reach out. I'm sure they can find some way that you can help. Right. For sure. Yes. <laughs> um, I, and I was creeping your Facebook page earlier. Um, yeah. And you you had a post on there about how um, that the community you're building spreads beyond the studio walls. So mm-hmm. I just wanted you to talk a little bit about what that means. Yeah. Um, because we're a creative content studio, I guess, a visual content producer. Um the people that come in there, they're creating something. So they're taking photos, they're taking videos, they're coming in, they're promoting their own businesses, they're helping their friends promote businesses, um, or they're trying to put on for their community. And so people are going to be consuming that content as well. So what we're building here 
digitally is going to spread throughout. Um, but also the people that are coming in there, like we do help a lot of people outside of the studio. Um, and that's what we're trying to do as well. And so we're, our goal is to have this studio really make people aware that these, there are resources for you Mm -hmm. to do different things in life. Like school might not be it. College is not for everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but if we can have um, students come in there and see us working and like understand that there's a whole creative um, career opportunity um, and give them those resources or connect them with the right people, then they can go on and have their, um, their path. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we're just really trying to do things for not just us who are building inside the studio, everyone inside the studio is working to help outside, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I think that's part of why you've been so successful, right? Like that is your outreach strategy is to be helpers and be your authentic selves and go out and, you know, just do those connections and those connections. It's like, I, I've always said, I really believe very strongly in this karmic relationship with with helping, being a helper means that you help people and you never know how that's going to re- be a return back to yeah. you, you know? So being yeah. that voice in the community, doing these types of programming, offering the studio space, working with students, like you're expanding your own network. So it will benefit what you're doing, but it also benefits others. Yeah. And art to me is a whole other sphere because you know, it, it's different than paying it forward and buying somebody's coffee behind you at Dunkin' right. Donuts, right? Like, it, <laughs> art has the potential to touch people, like, True. deeply True. in their beings. Yeah. And somebody who's inspired by something happening right. at the studio or because of something yes. um, that, you know, Tiana and Studio 250, uh, 235, I knew I was going to do that, 235 <laughs> have done who knows how that's going to come back, right? Right. Exactly. In terms of positive effects. Yeah. Um, I mean, like your outreach now has beyond the geographical borders of our own state, right? Like, yeah, you got somebody yeah. to come up all the way from New Jersey. Like, that's mm-hmm. insane. You know, yeah. you think about that. Um, right. Has Has anything surprised you in a really good way about opening a studio when you think back on it? Um, I think just how well we were perceived by the community like just initially like we haven't actually promoted anything all the like our marketing is not there it's not and um i'm working on it but so for everything being word of mouth just the sheer support like when we did the fundraiser um i was like okay three thousand i was like that's maybe that's a lot but i was like that's that's rent for the month you Mm -hmm. know and so i'm just like okay well we need to do something and so I did the fundraiser and it was like, I woke up and I was frantic and I was like, what are we going to do? Because we just went a month and a half with no business. Now we have to make an extra thousand dollars off of what we were already used to making. And um, so within an hour, we had over a thousand dollars. And as these people are coming in and they're like, they're donating, but they're giving us these little like sayings and they're like, oh, like keep going. We support you. And like, I honestly, I was sitting just like in my bed in tears. I did not expect that. Um, I greatly appreciate it, but it was, it went so quick. Like we reached the goal in five days and then it ended. I left it open. It went over the goal. Um, but just, you know, 
the, the love that people were just pouring on us and just like the confirmations that like what we were doing is needed and yeah. appreciated. Mm-hmm. That was honest. That was the best one, honestly. Yeah. Um, what about, I hear that, you know, COVID-19 has been a challenge. Um, the raising the rent obviously was, uh, was a challenge that you responded very well to. Have there been other challenges that maybe you weren't expecting that have popped up that you've risen to meet in these times? Yeah. Um, uh, so the funding of the studio, we don't, well, with COVID, um, a lot of businesses got additional funding and they got grant money and they got loans. Mm-hmm. We didn't receive anything. Yeah. We still haven't received anything. Yeah. Um, but another challenge, so we're kind of, we're working with that. That's okay. Um, another one is the parking. You know, we don't have ample parking at the studio. We were trying to make it work. There are businesses next to us. After hours, we would let people park there, you know, as long as they were like not blocking anyone's doors or anything. Um, we just realized, you know, there was a complaint. And so now our parking is like really limited. Um, and just like things like that, you know? So now like we've, we've been on this role, we've been doing things, we've been um, catering to smaller crowds of people. I think max like 25 people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, so our taco Tuesday and our yoga can't really happen at the same time because mm-hmm. we can't facilitate that much parking. Um, and so that's, that's going to be a hard one to overcome because there's not, I can't just poof, you know, yeah. right more parking, you know, so that's going to be a difficult one. Um, and then just trying to actually become a legal business in operation in West Springfield. We've, we've seen one instance of pushback already, which isn't even justified. It's honestly because I'm not a white male. Um, and I went in there expecting them to give me something. Um, but you know, like things like that, Um, that we're realizing are going to be extra hurdles for us because you don't always see support of women, especially women of color. And especially in these types of roles, like people, a lot of people talk to me, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, And not that I've been doing this for forever, but like, I've been, I'm here, you know, I am Mm -hmm. where I am at this point. Um, And I know something you know, I owe, I owe a lot of money to UMass. So I think that, that you know, something. Yeah. Um, but just, just things like that, you know? And mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's to be expected, honestly. Yeah. Um, we live in America, so mm-hmm. um, it's to be expected, but it's just another hurdle that we need to overcome. Um, but thankfully there are a lot of initiatives for like minority business owners and women business owners, um, and yeah, we're just going to keep pushing because we really didn't give ourselves a plan B. Yeah. Once we realized there was the studio, we're like, okay, this is it. It's interesting. Is it's interesting you mentioned no plan Bs. I listen to a lot of interviews with successful people, artists in particular. Mm-hmm. And one thing you always hear is, we didn't have a plan B or yeah. I didn't have a plan B. This was just the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. And so I had to make it work. And yeah. it sounds like, it sounds like you're you're doing a really good job um, towards that goal. Yeah. And that's the most fucked up part right now of like all this like loan, like you were mentioning the loans and the grants and the, all the stuff is that for a new business, 
you like most of these grants and these opportunities are for businesses that have been in business for a while. And like you guys were so brand new. So I can imagine that that's probably part of the reason why you can't get access to some of the funding, which is so bullshit because you guys are the ones that need it the most. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were just talking about that. Actually, it's like they're not giving it to us because we're too new of a business. But I'm like, but we're one of the only businesses that are doing anything right now. Um, and we're really helping and we have a whole mental wellness aspect of the studio as well. That's why yoga and meditation is a big thing for us. Um, and yeah, no, we were too new. They said, so we haven't received anything, but that is such bullshit. And especially since you're doing stuff like you just said in the, in the mental wellness area and community building and access and resources. Have you, Have you ever had to say no to an event somebody wanted to host either because it didn't align with your values or it was against the law or like, can you tell us anything about, about that? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, So someone wanted, they came to us late in the day, late in the day. And they were like, Hey, so we're going to host a party here tonight. And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, at least for something like we have, we tried it out. We tried like an after party. Um, it was successful. It went well. Um, but, you know, even that we realized very quickly that if we're going to have children in here, if we're going to have students in here, if we're going to have employees, um, if we're going to have people building their brands, we can't just have a party scene happen, especially not often at all. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So we, we tried it out. We saw how it works. Um, we realized quickly it wasn't for us. So we had to do like, just, we had to just refocus and reshift. Um, but yeah, staying in line with, with the morals of what we have going on is very, very important. Um, I don't know if there's anything. I th- someone, oh, people ask us if they can rent it out. Like it's an Airbnb as well. Oh. Um, and no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So, um, I don't even know how that would work yeah. out. But, um, so where do you want to be a few years from now with the studio when you look down the road and you're doing your um, um, summoning of visions and manifestations? Where do you want to be? Um, just more successful in what I'm doing now. Um, I would like in a few years, I would like to have a brand go international. Um I would definitely like to travel more and do my pop-ups and facilitate and bring these resources to other areas. Um, the studio should be self-sustaining at that point, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just like a powerhouse. We actually want to turn that into um, an arts academy or have at least some type of educational program mm-hmm. um, where we can really teach more. Um, but yeah, uh, driving my Jaguar F-Pace <laughs> that's, that's a specific yeah. goal. Um, yeah. But yeah, in a couple of years, just you know, property ownership, and maybe have another studio, maybe somewhere else. Um, but definitely keep going in the direction that we're going with creating these spaces for artists. Yeah has um, has running a studio taught you anything about people? that you didn't know before you started running a studio? Mm. Any insights into artists or people? Um, yeah, not that I didn't know, but just emphasized it a lot. Um, yeah. There's definitely a type of person that 
wants the end result and doesn't want to put in the work. That's mm-hmm. a character type that we've been dealing with. Um, there's also a very, there's a, huge lack in kind of organization and like structure when it comes to working with creatives. Um, Yellowbird management actually was built to help that um, like for music videos. Mm -hmm. So when Chris has a music video, I do the breakdown. Um, So what's a, um, what's a breakdown? What does that mean? Like a timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, So like you'll show up with everyone at whatever studio at this time, we're going to start shooting from this to this. This scene will be here. It's Someone called it something the other day. And I was like, oh, that's the name for it. So whatever that process is called. <laughs> like, but, um, like storyboarding or? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, in a way. So just making sure people are just staying in line because you're paying hourly for the space. Um, so we really want a built out idea of what's going to happen. Um, that and budgets. A lot of people don't think of what their budget is and they expect to get something incredible for like $250. But really like, what do you need? Like what, and just asking those questions, like really getting people to think of what actually do they have in their head? Because I need, I like, I can't read minds yet, you know? Yeah. So, so um, when, when you start, when you start asking those types of questions of creatives, um, I imagine some some people are probably okay with it, but like, are, do pe? I guess what I'm asking is: is it a matter of do you think people just not knowing that there's a business side of being a successful artist, or is it just that some they people just don't have the education or the skills? Um, just all of it. Yeah, all of that. Um, a lot of people don't think like they expect to show up and oh, like, Oh, I, I booked a photographer. So my video is just going to look like this and it's just going to work. Um, and that's a pain point that Chris has dealt with a lot because there's no, like you need to build out a vision, but communication is really necessary, especially on creative projects. Because, um, a lot of the times, like for me personally, if I'm thinking of like a vision for something and, and I need to explain that to someone, I'll draw it. Um, Not everyone can draw, but, you know, I'll put it down or like, I just try to explain things, but some people go in there and what they have in their head stays in their head. Mm. And it's like, it's kind of, um, they haven't fully realized that like, we need to know because we really, we can't just make you a music video. We don't know your vision. Um, So really breaking that down and getting a clear idea of what is expected of us, what you are trying to get out of this, how, Chris needs to position the camera. Like what kind of angles are we trying to get? Um, So he has a lot of people build mood boards, but even beyond that, um, getting people ready for like to be in that mentality, like maybe you need to act a little bit Um, or, you know, um, you can't just show up at like an hour and a half after your booking and expect mm-hmm. to get everything done in time. Mm-hmm. Right. Be- because you might have, you know, you might have the next thing starting in an hour and right. a half that you have to get ready for as the, as the, you know, people who are helping to produce this. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes we do have back to back bookings. Like there's been days where we've only had like a 30 minute break in between like four bookings throughout the day. Right. So it's, it's really important that people aren't going over their time, but that's also why I really have people come in. If you, so if you book the studio, I'll ask you to come in for a tour if you haven't seen it yet. 
because it is complete. Like, however, we just described it. it when you get there, it feels different. Um, and once you see it, you know, your mind just kind of explodes with ideas. Um, and it is really important for people to like experience that and then think about their ideas and come back or at least give themselves enough time to like fully flesh out these ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of them, a lot more of them will pop up. Do you feel that that conversation around people's creative ideas, are, are people open generally to feedback or, you know, do you, does it span the range of people getting really defensive or like, no, this is my idea. I, I want to do it this way. Or like, I'm curious if it, curious what your experience has been working with, with artists. Yeah. Um, definitely both. Um, people have been open to instruction. Those they're just easier to work with, honestly. Um, but the people that want to put the time into it and really build out that idea versus those who like, Hey, well, why don't we shoot over here? Like, no, no, no. I just want this. I want this shot crouching down in front of this car, you know, and that's what they want. And that's all that they can see. And then at the end, they're like, well, I didn't really want that. Like, okay, well, we tried to tell you, Mm -hmm, you know? And so that's, that's difficult. Um, Chris honestly has some difficulty with that as well, because he is so visual and like creative, um, more of like, it's more of the creative giving up that director role. Mm-hmm. Um, some people really do not and respond well to someone else taking creative direction of their video. Um, some of it, like, you know, whether it's, they haven't worked on a team like that before um, or this is their first time doing a video and they have that one image in their mind and that's what they want it to look like. Um, but definitely, like, as you get into it, the more t- even if you work with the same person again um, or someone that comes with a team and they understand that, hey, we need to work together, um, that is just more, you know. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about video production. Are there other types of artists that you work with at Yellowbird Management? Like, would you, would, do you, work, with, would you work with painters? Would you work with, um, you know, other people who... Um, express themselves through other mediums? Yeah, um, I actually primarily work with visual artists um, as opposed to musical artists. Um, like Seymour the Painter, he's my favorite. I love him. Um, he's in Springfield. Um, it's his art that we have up at the studio right now. Um, so working with artists in that aspect, he's come to a couple, oh, I, my last show, he had his art up there. He let me hang some art there. Um, my dad's a sculptor. So I put my dad's sculptures in to my shows. They're all around the studio right now as well. Um, By the way, I saw his website. It's incredible. Yeah. It's like so beautiful. What's his name? Let's plug him. It's Mark Burnett. It's Burnett Studios. Mark Burnett. Burnett Studios. So everybody go check that out. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your. Oh, no, no, no. That's okay. Um, so yeah, but, um, working with artists as well, um, a a big thing that I'm trying to help artists overcome is pricing your work. That's a huge, a huge thing for artists in many different aspects. Um, to sell themselves short, but yeah. What's so hard about that for them? Oh God. I think it's honestly, I think it's a confidence thing. Um, but not 
wanting to like overprice yourself. You still want people to buy it. Some people think that what they made isn't worth that much, or they don't think um, people will be interested or get um, scared off by a price tag. Um, but also sometimes just not like they just want to help people and they want to like here, like take my art, but like, okay, you need to understand that the, how long did this just take you? Yeah. You know, like how much do your brushes cost? Like how much was that canvas? Did you right. stretch it yourself? You know? And it's like, how much is your paint? Where's your studio? at? Are you paying for a studio space? Like there's so many things that come into it. And I feel like that's why there's so many starving artists because they put their, their heart and soul into it. And like letting something go for a price tag kind of isn't where people's mind is initially. Yeah. yeah and artists listening to this, I, I hope you can hear this, right? What, what Tiana is saying is your time is worth something. Yeah, it's and, valuable. And talk to her and Yellowbird Management. Contact them because they can help you, I think, really yeah. frame um, how to... Um, value yourself in terms mm-hmm. of um, marketing your art if that's what you want to do. Um, I, I, I think about a story that I heard on the Joe Rogan podcast. I think it about was Howard Stern. No, it was David Coe or yeah, David Howard Cho. Stern. It was Howard Stern or Joe Rogan. I can't remember. <laughs> um, he was a graffiti artist and he was talking about how he was beginning to get kind of popular, but he had not really sold much before or for that much money. And he ended up in a party somewhere. And there was a a prince from Saudi Arabia there who wanted to buy one of his pieces. And the, the prince had asked him, how much do you want for it? And he talks about this moment of confidence that mm-hmm. he had. He's like, I could tell him a hundred bucks or I could tell him 10 million. And he told him 10 million and he got $10 million dollars. Amazing. And, and I, the numbers might be a little bit wrong, but it's it, it's at that scale kind right. of. Okay. But he talks about that as the confidence moment where right. he's like, I can put a value on myself right here and now. Right. And maybe something will happen. Right. And, he, and, and it's he's just, the guy that did the walls at Facebook, right? Yes. He's the guy. Yes. Not to mention that, yeah, he got brought in at the beginning of Facebook, got a lot of early Facebook stock and became a millionaire from that. But yeah. Um, but anyways, he's he is a really interesting person to listen to about um, art and the artistic process and and just having that confidence in yourself that Tiana is is talking about. Right. Yeah, I think. I think I, I think that's great. Help, All right, so <laughs> Tiana, your 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 dad is an artist. Um, are you an artist as well? I am. Can you um, tell us a little I'm, bit about your art? Yeah, I'm not like a actual working artist right this second um you know I'm trying I'm trying to find the time to get back into it um I did I lived in Chicago for a little bit and I was drawing people's dogs and that's how I was making money to stay out there um you know and uh people will pay a lot of money for a picture of their dog let me tell you were you doing like photorealistic drawings or caricatures or um yeah photorealistic. I honestly wish I could do more caricature type things because I love that style. It's just my brain just like goes to like, I need to make it look like this. Um, which is interesting because my dad's the same way. Um, but yeah, I haven't really made anything. I've just been focusing on supporting other artists and curating their works together. So where I kind of thrive is creating a theme or developing an idea and having these 
artists specifically gathered together and just drawing out that theme and mm-hmm. just painting a picture through other people's images and like just developing that narrative. I think there's an art to yeah. that. I was going to say that sounds like yeah. art, what you're saying. Yeah. And it sounds like that's fulfilling um, for you to see other people succeed in this space or, right. or, or begin to find themselves in this space. Yeah, I do. I prefer that, honestly. Um, even with um, just doing things myself, I have, there's, I'm looking at one. I have a big, I had a big canvas and it was blank for so long, but it was on sale. And I'm like, I'm going to do something with this canvas. So I bought it. And like, maybe for like two years, it was just empty. I didn't do anything. And then finally I had this idea to get the paint chips. So I kept going to Walmart yeah. and I just kept taking those little paint things, yeah. you know, um, in the paint aisle, the little samples. And I bought a little square, a one by one square hole puncher. Mm-hmm. And um, I color coded this image of me and Chris and I pixelated it. And so I redid the pixels one by one in these little square paint chips and glued them to this canvas. Oh my and so God. Cool. I'm looking at it right now. Um, not only, but- not only do you have um, amazing meta vision as an artist, you are the most patient person <laughs> I've ever met. <laughs> It was so, it was taking me hours. Every time I would sit down, it would be like two and a half, three hours. I haven't even finished it yet. I want to cover it in resin and like layer it. But like, honestly, the squares were taking so long. Like, like I know my podcast isn't on the video, but since you guys can see my yeah, video. Yeah, and you could take a picture of it if you want to push it out to the world too. We can oh, wow. share that. Oh, whoa. That's awesome. That is really cool. So it's really big. Um, yeah. So what I'm... So what I'm looking at, um, people, is this, um, it's a, like a, um, a rectangular canvas, and it has, um, like Tiana was saying, it's like a pixelated image of her and her boyfriend or partner, Chris, um, and made out of these paint chips. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it took me took me some time to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, but it's funny that you, you said patient because I'm that's one thing that I'm not when it comes to art like I want it done yeah and I just want to look at it and a lot of um the pieces that I'm quick when I do things typically like if I'm working in pastels or charcoals or anything like that like I typically like two hours three hours and it's done but this one was taking me so long and like and every time I would sit down it was like a whole thing you know and I was just like I don't know how much longer I can do this for is that work? Do you feel like that's do you feel like that's working a different part of your artistic brain and fulfilling like a different part of you by making you slow down and engage in this in a different way than you're comfortable with? Yeah, for sure. Like sometimes I need to do that. It's like therapeutic. Um but at the same time I was just stressed because I just wanted to see the final product, but forcing myself to actually sit there and do that. And I was, I had my iPad next to me that had the little square, like, you know, it had the image of it. And so I'm just looking and I didn't draw lines or anything on the canvas. So I'm just trying to make sure I'm putting things like straight. And so just trying to do that and keep up with it. Honestly, it was, it was cool project. And I had an idea to do a bigger version of that with bigger squares. Mm -hmm. Um, at the studio. And so that'll come. I was actually waiting for stores to open back up so I could get all of the things I needed. Mm -hmm. So now that that's open, I guess I don't have any excuse. That's so interesting. Like, yeah. Cause so 
I'm, I'm a collage artist, but like for me, like I've always wanted to work in like really large scale and I haven't been able to figure out how to make that work with the work that I did. So actually I, instead of going really big, I started going smaller with the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always had this big vision and now I'm like thinking about your studio space. <laughs> I'm like, that would be so cool. Cause I always had this idea that I could digitalize them and project them on the wall really big. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That would be super cool. That would be it's, awesome. Yeah. Let's come to the studio and talk. About All right. It, cool. That's really cool. So you also have this other project. I may, I wanted to make sure I talked to you about, um, it's mad ethnic art. Am I saying it right? <laughs> he wants you to help him. Again. Okay. Yeah. I need help. Sorry. Um, can, tell us, tell us what that is. That's the, um, that's my art shows. Um, so that's, how I started doing these little pop-ups and that's Got under it. the name I was going under. Got um, it. And I named it that honestly, because, um, well, one, I just had experienced this crazy, crazy thing in art history at UMass. And it wasn't until my very, it was my fourth year. Um, I transferred there. So I was actually my fifth year of college, but fourth year at UMass. Um, and I, specifically stayed there to take contemporary art to work in the museum um i got my internship extended you know i was like this is perfect this is what i need and it was the most racist experience i've ever seen and i was like wow i wish i knew about this when i first started because that would have changed my perspective on things in that field Mm -hmm. um but I saw it when I did. And honestly, it made me feel even more devoted to creating a safe space for artists of color. Um, especially because I didn't really learn about any black or brown artists, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, maybe we talk about them for like 10 minutes in one lecture and that's it. Whereas I took a whole seminar on Caravaggio, you know, like a whole three months on one artist, but I can only get a 10 minute, you know, little mm-hmm. yeah, on yeah. Boscot, you know, and like that didn't, that didn't sit well with me at all because people were asking me, so what do you want to do? Like, where do you want to go in the art history field? I was like, I don't, Yeah, like, I don't, like, I, you didn't teach me anything. I don't feel connected to anything. I don't, I'm not confident enough that I can go to a museum and get a job. Like I'm not the person you're trying to hire. And so that's how I started my shows. And I wanted to really focus on supporting black and brown artists. And that's where Mad Ethnic came in. Um, not that I'm angry, but, you know, just like Mad Ethnic, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, Pharrell and Rihanna dropped Lemonade, the song. And I, that's the only thing I was listening to at the time. I'm obsessed with Rihanna. Um, but there's that line, Mad Ethnic right now. And that's what honestly spurred me calling it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because in the music video, Rihanna shaves this girl's head who I kind of resemble a little bit. And then I shaved my head, you know? And so I was just like, this is it. This is the mm-hmm. moment. This is what we're calling this, but it's really my art platform. Um, just, you know, to bring people together, support your artists, support your small businesses and just highlight artists of color in a way that they're not typically able to gain access to. So 
like the wisteria hearse. That was a big deal for me because I like shaking up traditionally white spaces. I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. People don't know what to do with themselves and I love it. And, um, but that's what we need. And we need to reclaim the narrative of these spaces. Like wisteria hearse is in the middle of the hood. Yeah. I live around the corner from it. Um, and even myself, I didn't feel comfortable going in there. Someone asked, Hey, do you want to work there? I'm like, or do you want to go visit? I was like, for what? Like, what, what would I do in there? And then I spoke to one of my professors and she was like, Oh, like, I know the person there. Like, I'll get you in contact. Like you should do a show. And that's when I started to think, I was like, no, this is exactly where I should do it. Mm -hmm. Like in places that like, even the artists and the people that came, they were like, Oh, I didn't know I was allowed here. Yeah. You know, it's a community space and just, that's not, it doesn't, Relate that yeah yeah right and so that was a big push just to like just change that narrative of like we can be in these spaces we belong in these spaces you know um what, and that's that's a big thing yeah what what um when you launched this initiative mad ethnic art um what was the response from um other black and brown artists when yeah. you were providing this platform for representation in this space. Honestly, it was incredible. Um, the first show I did at my house and it was in Hadley. Um, I had someone come up to me in tears, literally actual tears. I had never met them before. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw it on Instagram, but they came through and they were crying and they were like, thank you so much for providing this space. Like we need this. We don't have this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really kind of, it just shifted everything and everyone's idea that I had known personally at that point, um, their idea on how to experience art. Um, because it's a vibe, you go there and you have a great time. Like there's, you can buy things, you can support people, you can walk through an art gallery. Um, you can talk to the artists, they're all there. Um, and then you can have live performances at the same time. Um, I've even just done open mic and everybody can get in. Um, a lot of artists got, on the mic and, um, presented and, um, did their poetry for the first time. My cousin was one of them. The first time there was like a safe enough space where people thought that 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 was their first step. Um, and so that kind of, that feeling is something that I just, I always try to have. Yeah. I think, Um, I think that's amazing. As somebody who's, as somebody who's done a lot of open mics, I know how scary that is and to feel safe enough to be able to go up and do that. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit more about the idea of reclaiming public spaces for Mm -hmm. underrepresented people, um, black and brown artists. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience with that has, you know, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think in terms of, you know, positive experiences, negative experiences, just so people can kind of hear what your lived experience with saying we belong in this space too mm-hmm. has been. Yeah. Um, well, Wisteria Hearst was interesting. Um, it was really interesting, but I loved it because like Seymour, for instance, um, he has very large scale paintings. Like they're huge. Um, and that, that, space is literally the one place where paintings like that were, it was built for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, in all these like older, like 19th century European spaces, they have massive wall space for these crazy big pieces of art. Right. Um, so bringing his art on that scale into that space was important for me. Um, 
but even just to see it against like the classical architecture of that, um, of like their music room or wherever it was that I had it hanging in there. Um, just that contrast, it was beautiful. It was beautiful because you have these very high colored, um, uh, abstract pieces against this very formal classical space. Yeah. Um, to be to be honest, that's how I felt when we went to DC and I saw oh, yeah. uh, President Obama's portrait. Well, just um, the portrait gallery. Like you think in your mind, sorry, as like just, yeah. you know, let's go to the portrait gallery and like what are we going to see? And there were some amazing pieces. But, in I mean, there. just just a, a um just the representation of our first black president and then by that particular um, black artist and just it, it was so it was so vibrant so um, and it stood in stuck such stark contrast like you were saying to all of the stuff around it, it was it was amazing and it was like saying um, you know the painting was like speaking I'm here you know. And I belong here. I don't know. It was, I thought it was amazing. I, I loved yeah. seeing it in person. It was just yeah. something else. Um, I'm glad you brought that. Kahendi Wiley is the artist that did that. And he's actually someone that I studied um, in depth. I love his work. I've seen his show in Seattle, in New York, um, in Chicago. Like anytime I can see Kahendi Wiley, that's where I am. He's got a couple pieces in Boston right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's the vibes, you know? Yeah. So yeah. like, and uh, what he does is take these traditional European portraits of like strength and power. And he, um, they call it like a hip hop infusion um, or street casting, I think is what he called it. Um, but he takes people off the streets or like hip hop artists and puts these in the, puts them in that position. Um, and it just, it really shakes everything up. And I right. love it so much for it. So, so much, but okay. So, and like following that. So another, um, area on that, I was in an art education course and we were speaking about Kehendi Wiley. And I mean, what I do know a lot about him. I studied art history that, you know, um, but the professor, she would, she, whenever she would get to him or a slide that included him, she would just stop talking and say, uh, Tiana, do you, do you want to teach? about him like <laughs> you you probably can do this better than me and I'm like why because he's black like right. okay like I'm obviously going to do it justice but I'm not getting paid right. to teach this class right now right. I'm paying you to be in here um and the same thing with the museum Kara Walker happened to be the artist and that's why I wanted to extend my time Kara Walker and Fred Wilson had a joint show and they're both no 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 I'm sorry I'm getting them mixed up Fred Wilson was at a different period of time. Um, but Kara Walker's art was in there. And um, I'm, for reference, I'm around the age of her daughter. Um, but people would walk in and just be like, oh, are you the artist? I'm like, just because like someone of color is in a museum doesn't mean that they're the artist or they're the entertainment, you know? Right. Like, that's not why I was there. But um, it was just interesting that that was just what was portrayed against me. Um, and I don't look like Kara Walker. Yeah. I don't at all. So, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's just things like that. Um, yeah. And so, and like the feeling that you have to defend other artists just because like, there's just some crazy conversations going on. Um but yeah, reclaiming those spaces is like, we're really like, 
they're not the spaces that we're in, like the, let's say the, um, the educational sphere, you know, the ac- academia, yeah, which whatever, um, black artists are not in the curriculum. And if right. they all, if you have a professor that's comfortable enough with teaching about them, you're not going into depth. Yeah. Um, and that's sad because, um, hip hop culture is America's number one export. You know what I mean? And so it's yes. like a so, lot of it are taken from the culture of African-Americans, but nothing's really given back or given credit to. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is the type of institutional racism that we yeah. talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the education system, yes. right? Uh, th- I mean, th- there is, there is a, a list probably that could wrap around the globe several times yeah. of great black artists that, or could fill from history black yeah. and brown artists that or could, were stolen from right they could yeah. fill history books yeah. like there's yeah. you know and, and i learned this good term yeah. this uh we were talking i had a book club before this and um they were talking because our school district had a listening session um this past week and they were talking about the students that were speaking in part and they were using terms like decolonizing the curriculum which i just thought was like such a powerful term to use yeah right. yeah that is interesting to say it like that because I haven't yeah. heard I haven't heard that one yet. But that's exactly what it is. And like the systematic erasure of these cultures and like things in history. Like history didn't really play out. You're just looking at one person's perspective on yeah. that. And yeah. so it's interesting. And it's interesting the people who are in charge of making those decisions of what's being taught, even today. Yeah. Um, and I actually I I love DC and my friend lives there and I know a couple other people trying to move there. Um, and now I'm just, I'm so excited to go. But even when like Trump got into office, right. Museums and everything in DC is really like the decisions are made based off of who's in office. Mm-hmm. And at that point I was like, I don't want to go, yeah. but then you had the African-American museum open up oh, and yeah. then you had, um, there's another one, African-American art, of something um and now like i honestly i cannot wait to get down in there mm-hmm. yeah. and go experience i guess i just heard it takes three days to experience that entire museum yeah i i can we, see that we spent a full day there yeah. uh, and it was it was more i think than we could process yeah it, it, and it was, it was so overwhelming and so moving yeah yeah agreed um, that's where i'm trying to go next yeah so. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and since we're talking about politics, um, we have an election coming up soon, and you're involved in, I think, the Springfield Votes Initiative in some way. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so Springfield Votes is a nonbipartisan group, and we're just trying to raise awareness of how important it is to vote. Um, Tiffany Alicia is the one heading that um, she's incredible with it. We actually just, um, met a couple politicians that stopped by in Springfield. Um, Joe Kennedy was one of them. Um, Adam Gomez, um, and we're just talking to them and hearing their side and just trying to, you know, raise awareness of people that people need to get out and vote, but it's not, you can't just tell someone to go vote, mm-hmm. you know, cause when you get there, you're going to look at about and be like, I don't know who these people are. Yeah. Right. That's how I am. At least when I go, I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I base it off of how many lawn signs I've seen. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to change because 
I, I think um, minorities have 65.8, I believe. It's something like that, um, percent of the population in Springfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's some crazy number, like 10% of the population votes or something, yeah. something ridiculous. Yeah. And like, that shouldn't even be the case. You know, I feel like now is a very powerful time to really use our voices in the polls Agreed. because the people in office have been allowing the same bullshit to happen. And that's why we're, we are where we are. Yep. And so I feel like now there's, there's a bunch of good options to vote in and like people that are like more hip, you know, not 80 year old white men, which doesn't even make sense. Like how are they're not even connected with anything going on. Yeah. Um, so just really focusing on what people are running for and what they stand for. Um, and we're just re- really just trying to raise, raise awareness mm-hmm. um, and get people the information they need to make educated decisions at the polls. How are, um, what are some ways that you're raising awareness? How are you getting the message out? Right now, a lot of things are happening on Facebook. Um, I'm not sure. I think there's a website. I'm not sure. If there is, I'll send it to you guys. But okay. um, we went live. So we all um, will let people know when there's an event. And from this point forward, I believe Springfield Votes is going to be at every political event mm-hmm. from now until Election Day. Um, I don't know how many I'm personally going to be able to attend just with this being in the studio. Um, but I know Tiffany's doing a lot on the back end of that, making sure everything is running smoothly. Um, and really just keeping conversations open. Like I I go live a lot on my Facebook Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I personally am connecting with people. Um, But we've made, they were shirts made, pins, buttons. Mm -hmm. Um, We're just really trying to just keep talking about and keep opening up conversation. And I think there was talk about like a virtual event where we can try to get a panel discussion and just have people introduce themselves I know there's been links circulating for other politicians that are doing that same thing, kind of like a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just talking about what it is that they're doing. Yeah. But I think just the more visibility we get um, of these people running. But again, the good thing about having people that are running now is like they're connecting with us more. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have gone, I think, eight phone calls from Alex Morse, you know, mm-hmm. and he's running, what is he running for? Congress? Uh, Congress. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, like they just keep calling me mm-hmm. or like there's people like, uh, like the Joe Kennedy campaign keeps texting me mm-hmm. like they're reaching us. Yeah. Um, and I think just the way that they're moving and like their marketing strategies are just better equipped for our current generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we're trying to follow as well and just keep promoting, keep pushing out there, keep sending emails, yeah. um, keep posting on Facebook, keep hosting these events that we're hosting. Um, and right. if you guys can think of anything, are you guys promoting, um, like, uh, mail-in voting in any way, shape or form? I know there's a lot of, um, contention around that movement right now, but like people, you know, we're talking about, you know, um, helping people make sure that they're aware that they have drop-off boxes, for instance, um, for uh, absentee ballots, mm-hmm. um, things mm-hmm. of that nature. 
a lot of talk about the post office this past weekend. So, yeah, yeah. I actually I just put something on um, my page about you can you don't have to mail in the vote, right? Like you said, like those drop off boxes, um, and just making people aware that that's an option. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, definitely. If people get them in the mail. I mean, I'm not one that's good with stuff in the mail. Like, I've gotten that census thing, like, well. (laughs) Better be careful. They're going to come to your door soon. (laughs) Right? I mean, they should, because at that point, I'll be forced to do it. But um, but, I usually just keep getting it in the mail. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I actually, I went live the other day, and I was like, guys, I know I'm ignoring the census, but, like, we can't do this when it comes to voting. And I do need to do the census. So people should do that, too, if you're listening. Yeah fill out your census forms for whatever they use it for. Um, and, uh, yeah, just telling people to just, if you get it in the mail and you can't make it, don't wait to the last day. Cause I feel like that's what some politicians are expecting. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they're expecting to not have those votes count because they didn't get it in in time and they know people are, are slow with things and they procrastinate. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So like as an, as an idea for Springfield votes, like, you know, having that um, initiative where, you know, you can list all the places you can drop it off. You can, you know, you can do a Facebook live of like yourself, like filling out the ballot or what, not filling out the ballot, (laughs) (laughs) but like walking it to the drop off place and like putting it in the thing. And like, you know, there's a brown envelope and a white envelope and white envelope goes in the mail, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. I was just thinking about you, Tiana, and thinking about your work in the art space. And art is about people representing themselves and expressing themselves. Mm-hmm. And then I just had the thought, so is voting, yeah. right? It's about right. it's about being counted. It's about yeah. being seen, yeah, right? It's true. Same way that art is. And I'm not I'm not surprised that you're throwing, you know, your energy behind something like this. Cause I do think it's connected to that um that what I'm hearing is a deep desire in you to help others kind of be seen and be represented. So yeah. I, I have to, I have to commend you. So I hit the wrong button. No, I wasn't <laughs> going to hit the wrong one. No, I, I mean, I really, I really think that is, that is such important work. You know, it's um, helping, helping people be counted mm-hmm. and seen. Yeah. 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 That's honestly, well, thank you for that. Honestly. Um, and that's really what it is. Like we really do have a vote, uh, a voice and a lot of people, like if you don't vote, you can't complain, you know, but it's like, we've let everybody else lead the polls, you know, like Mm -hmm. there, there is a very defined demographic who will show up and vote. So it's like, is that Mm -hmm. the voice you still want to hear? Yeah. Or do you want to like have a say in that? Because like, if we could even increase, I saw one of the goals I said, I was like, well, if we can in- increase the votes by 5%, just 5%, that could help someone win by a landslide. And that's only 5%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so if we can just get there, and especially now with all of the activism going on, with all of the protests, um, if we keep that same energy at the polls, things will actually change. And I think now, because honestly, COVID, there's so many hidden blessings within this because this, this time of isolation and lockdown and kind of like finding a more simple form of your day to day, whether you're okay with that or not, like it's forced, we don't have a choice. And so I feel like a lot more people are waking up 
And like, we're really seeing what's really going on and what's really happening with how this country is constructed. And especially with that energy that people are doing, like I went to Boston for the protest, um, but that energy and people have been on that same energy the entire time. If that's really carried through, then that's where we'll see the change that everyone is kind of demanding. Mm-hmm, like it's yeah. not going to happen any other way unless we get these people out of office and we get the change makers into office. Yep. And that's what people really need to understand is like, we really can take control yeah. of what our future is going to look like. Oh, you've said that so beautifully. Yeah. I'm saying nothing else. I want to leave that there. <laughs> I have to ask you a question. We've talked about a lot of serious stuff. Yeah. What do you like to do for fun? What does <laughs> what does Tiana Ray Burnett do on a Sunday when you're not at the studio? How do you unwind? What do you like to do? Um, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I haven't been able to do these things lately. Um. Honestly, just literally just relaxing. Like I could be doing nothing and that's okay. Um, we actually, we did make it a point to just go to the beach. It was our first beach trip of the summer because we've just been so overwhelmed and it was just so nice and peaceful just to be like away from everything. Yeah. In um, normal times, you know, I would go to a museum. I would go to a gallery and just walk around. Um, but this past weekend, I actually, I took the weekend off. I needed to. Yeah. Uh, I was getting far too overwhelmed with everything. So I needed to just separate myself, disconnect a little bit. Um, but I went and I hung out with my friend, um, my childhood friend from in Boston. And we did a bunch of different things. We met a bunch of different people. We were on a yacht nice. after dinner. You know, <laughs> that sounds crazy. cool. Crazy. It was crazy. How did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, just honestly, just like stepping away. If I could be out of Western Mass, that would be cool. But even, even just having dinner, um, like tonight, like I was excited. I haven't cooked. If not, I normally cook a lot. Yeah. Um, and I have not been able to cook. And I think at least solid three months, easy three months. And I, it's crazy because I normally cook every night. Um, but yeah, it's just. You're so busy. You're so busy helping to feed the souls of other people. Yeah, you're not able to cook for yourself. <laughs> right. Um, well, we see, there's a ton of pizza boxes here, but um, yeah. You know, it's like just honestly, just taking a step back. Like yesterday, I cooked. I made a meal yesterday. It was salmon steaks over um, thinly sliced potatoes and this garlic and parsley sauce and I baked it and I did some sautéed zucchini and yellow squash. Oh my god, it was so good. Sounds and it good. just like made me realize I was like this is like normal like this is relaxing um but yeah anytime I can literally just like not look at my phone and just be comfortable with someone and just vibe out there's not much else I can do in COVID that's awesome all right my last my last question for you I ask everyone this question um (laughs) and it's okay if you don't have an answer um what what I have, a, but I have a good feeling about this stomping Jen. Okay. Um, and Tiana, what have you seen that you cannot explain? Just in general. Yeah. Any, it could be anything. It could be supernatural. It could be, um, regular natural, regular natural. <laughs> hmm. Well, I do have a lot of like spiritual things happen to me a lot. 
Tell us a like little bit about that. Natural things happen to me a lot. Yeah, can you tell um, us about one of those? Yeah, like I was in my mom's my mom's kitchen one day, and like her, the condo she was in always gave me like some little like weird vibes, you know, like like it was clearly like there it was haunted. I'm just gonna say it was haunted. But I'm in the kitchen and I'm opening the cabinet, and all of a sudden I'm watching this shot glass move towards me, and then it just shot onto the floor, and I'm like, what? the hell was that like what was that and so but she was in the kitchen with me and like so at least there was a witness Uh uh-huh i don't know but and then so i'm just like yelling at the spirits i'm like listen if we're gonna be throwing something like Mm -hmm. grab the pillows because we're not throwing glass around here (laughs) that's right um but it's just something with like ghosts and like alcohol related things like a shot glass flew off the thing at me um i've seen uh, a wine was like in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Um, this was at my job, but um, when I used to work at the hotel. Um, oh, but hotels. Looking, <laughs> the hotel Northampton is yep. haunted. Oh yeah. Um, and this, the cork just shot straight up out of the wine. Like it wasn't a wine that anybody had just touched. It just shot mm-hmm. straight out of it. I'm just like, what is going on? Spirits like, want a party. Right. And but that's what it, maybe that's why I do parties. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like anytime there's a supernatural phenomenon that happens to me, it has something to do with liquor. Hmm. That's true. And I'm sober when it happens. So I don't know. That's why I can't explain it. I don't know. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, this is good. I'm starting to get more supernatural incidents. Well, we have something Jen. that we can't explain. Our dog is going crazy for some strange reason. <laughs> Yeah, um, attacking our cat. Well, Tiana, sorry. I know when we started this, you said dinner was on the other end of this for you. So I don't yes. want to keep you too much longer. Um, I have to say, this was fantastic. I learned. I learned a lot, and thank you for thank you for coming on and talking to us. So we'll just say it again. This is Tiana Ray Burnett co-owner of studio 235 in west springfield Mm -hmm. so go on go on facebook instagram all the places and check it out yep Um, it's everywhere uh, tiana can also help you if you're an artist and looking for some structure around what to do with your art or thinking about a career in art um her yellow bird management um deal can help you with that her deal yeah yeah i'm sorry these animals are going crazy the, here, i don't Tiana. know what is happening um, <laughs> it's like a menagerie and also there's still the um mad ethnic art instagram is up there and there are a lot yep. of things happening there too that you should go check out yeah and we'll have it all in the show notes I'll be in the show notes. Um, yes. Anything finally that you want to say to us? Anything else you want to promote? Um, anything? I would just really like to say thank you for this, for this opportunity of you guys having me here and listening to me for this long. Um, this was good. This was fun. I like, I like being on podcasty things. I like this. Yeah, you guys we, do a good job. Thank, thank you, you so much. We, we loved having you and it helps when you have fantastic guests. So yeah. stomping Jen, we'll say to our listeners. Yes. Thank you for listening. Yes. We love you. you. Um, Anything else we want to say? Bye now. Okay. Um, Tiana, (laughs) do you want to say bye? Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. 
Okay, everyone, I'll say it again. I love you. Thank you for listening. And bye Bye now.